Jack, Levi. The Book Club from Hell. Hello everyone, this is Jack with The Book Club from Hell, a transhumanist MGTOW collective seeking to transcend the weakness of our flesh such that it may no longer slow us in our implacable quest to complain about Western divorce laws. Laboria Cubonics is, in her own words, a polymorphous xeno-feminist collective whose members include Amy Ireland, Diane Bauer, Helen Hester, Katrina Birch, Luca Fraser, and Patricia Reed. This collective, pronouns she-her, came up with the xeno-feminist movement. In Xenofeminism, a politics for alienation, First released in 2015, and the subject of this episode, Laborio Cubonics set out her xeno-feminist principles. Anti-naturalist, in the normative sense of naturalism, comfortable with technology, and confident in her ability to shape the world around her, xeno-feminism is best summed up with the last words of this manifesto. If nature is unjust, change nature. Now, an obligatory self-shill. We've got a Patreon account, and if you like what we're doing, then consider sending us some cash. If you feel like rewarding us in less monetary ways, then consider rating us on your podcast app of choice. Five stars, naturally. So, if you're ready to turn yourself into a space marine in the name of anti-naturalism, then listen on. Enjoy. Yeah, this is uh, cyberpunk feminism, essentially. Yeah, yeah, transhumanist feminism. Transhumanist feminism. It's like uh, somebody, whoever, Laboria... Cubonics. Cubonics. <laughs> is basically a really big... It's an anagram. Is it? For what? So it's it's an anagram of Nicolas Burbaki, which was a pseudonym under which a group of mostly French mathematicians worked on I don't know, some sort of problem in the 20th century, something I don't understand, something mathematical. But it's an anagram of their name. Laboria Cubonics is five or six women spread out across the globe. It's not one person either. It's a xeno-feminist collective. They obviously really like William Gibson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I imagine they probably also have a hard-on for Ursula K. Le Guin, I imagine. They probably prefer her to William Gibson. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Maybe. But, but they didn't come across as, like, man-hating in this. No, no. No, no. Their webs are, some of them must be graphic designers or something like that as well, or artists, because the website, how this is presented is really cool. You can get the boring PDF, or you can read it on their website, which I'll put in the show notes, because it's, it's the much more fun way to consume yeah. the Xenofeminist. Is it the Xenofeminist Manifesto? I think, I think they a call it the Manifesto. A politics for alienation. Well, Xenofeminism, colon, a politics for alienation. It's the Manifesto. It's them, and it's them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no! Well, in, in the yeah, in the domain name, it's like laboriocubonics.net slash manifesto. So yeah, there you go. And they there have a bunch go. of other posts and podcast episodes and stuff, or like podcast appearances on their website. It's a it's a cool website. I like it. It's nice design. Yeah, because this this started this started in twenty fourteen. Yeah, and they've been yeah. There's artwork for it that they've made. They've done a bunch of interviews. I did read some of the interviews to clear up concepts that were a bit vague in the manifesto. The manifesto is a lot of fun and it's really it's interesting, fun. but it's very polemic. They can be pretty pretty vague with some of the stuff they say. Extremely vague. But actually they did a really helpful thing on their website. They literally have like a link that's like key terms or something like that. <laughs> what do you yeah, mean by yeah. alienation? Here's all the things that's that we That's the thing. It's, if you oh, just okay. read just the PDF, you're missing out because the website's a big part of it. Because they do, they do try to help you out. 
with yeah with the glossary with all sorts of interviews where they they elucidate further xenofeminism the website itself looks really cool it looks like modern 90s it looks like 90s web design but with 2023 technology it's really cool i enjoy their website it's a very yeah. good website whoever it's is a their nice uh, graphic graphic designer for that website um good work i like it smashed it yeah smashed it it's also very like it's very cyberpunk sort of vibes yeah like yeah uh, yeah it was like cypher it's like very yeah, striking sort of like, but actually quite quite easy to pass everything that's happening yeah like it's pretty glary you know like it's definitely not <laughs> conforming to it's not conforming to like web it's usability standards yeah and the, some of the contrast <laughs> there is like yeah. so like if you you know like anybody who's red green colorblind is going to have a hard time with this <laughs> other than them not like well, conforming to usability standards that's another injustice of nature yeah. that needs changing the red yeah. green colorblind need to be need to rebel against nature and modify themselves so that they also can appreciate www.laboriacubonics.net <laughs> forward slash manifesto <laughs> forward slash apologies for alienation. <laughs> um, they do talk about like, you know, the week in the downtrodden and all that sort of stuff. And then they've forgotten mm, to make mm. their, their website accessible. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, maybe you know, it's how serious are they? Call to action. Yeah, it's an adi- very it's a call to action. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's how deep xenofeminism goes in the fusion of the artistic and the philosophical. I'm sure that was extremely, uh, extremely intentional. <laughs> anyway, it's a really cool website. So, xenofeminism is basically. I think I said earlier it was basically transhumanist feminism, and yeah, it I'd, kind of is. That's not too flippant. Like that's basically what this is. Yeah, or techno, be, like I'm sure, like techno utopianism meets. Um, Mm, mm. I guess a formal kind of radical feminism, but like trans inclusionary radical feminism is like because these guys are yeah, pro yeah. pro trans. Yeah, yeah, trans include so it's turf versus I mean turf and turf are both pronounced the same or tf trans inclusionary <laughs> turf and, trans and exclusionary tf radical feminism. That's a major problem. That's terrible. It is a major. That's, no, because here's the game they're playing: huge, the, the trans inclusionary insurmountable problem. They know because they are obsessed with language games. <laughs> they know that by making mm. the trans exclusionary radical feminism feminists like giving them a term, they've like taken the default position of like we're just feminism. They are now normal, and so they don't get to get be called a particular like moniker of like the trans inclusionary radical feminists. They're just feminists, which mm. is a very clever mm. trick mm. they've mm. played there. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> They've alienated, they've made people who just take the position of like, hey, maybe there's a distinction between somebody who's modified their body to become a man versus somebody who didn't have to do that. They've taken that position <laughs> and then made them into like the radical like edge fridge group. Mm, mm. Very smart. Brilliant. And then <laughs> I act, that's right. With that, with the convention that they've used to name chapters, is that just how hexadecimals are represented in C? Or something? Yeah. Like the 0x000x01? That's like the prefix. 0x is the prefix in a lot of programming languages, like Python. I think so. Okay. If you have a string oh, okay. representing a number, mm. say, is it binary or is it hexadecimal or is it decimal? You put like 0, then B or 0x or whatever. Okay. 
the design of this website and the design of this manifesto goes further. It even extends to chapter naming conventions or section naming conventions. They they name them They've something futuristic and hexa, computer hexadecimal computer like. So the thing is, like you know, this is just so I, you I, know, I, just so you know, that they understand computers. That, that they're from the future. <laughs> yeah, we are computer people. We are cybernetic feminists. We have given our paragraphs hexadecimal codes. That's what's going to happen in the future. No one's going to no one's going to use something boring like one. <laughs> They'll use zero x zero one. Yeah, exactly. That's, oh, well, that's put, progress. You know, for three, 0 Yeah. Everybody's going to be using binary or something in the future. Yeah, the user experience of binary as a human being just blows conventional numbers out of the because, world. Because, as we know, the decimal system is euro-heteronormative and oppressive. <laughs> 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 to in be fair, defense, I don't, they didn't really talk about that stuff. No, they did. They did get a Eurocentrist no, like they, in there. They did say Eurocentrist. They did get. In their they ones, did. Their, yeah. They got they that, get in that in. <laughs> they had to, and that's expected. It's. I find like they get a few strikes. Yeah, they get a lot of strikes. Without, without, <laughs> they, they get, get a few without strikes. getting irritated. <laughs> it's like I just I go into this expecting certain things, and yes, they do. They did fulfill it by by saying well, I, certain I things. I went in, in capitalist um, or Eurocentric. But they did avoid most of the pitfalls that really irritate me about this side of politics in that they said that reason and logic and knowledge making are powerful and are not masculine and women can can and should take part in these things. So, like, the things that really irritate me, they didn't do. So good good marks for that. I'm sure, I'm sure all the authors are, are hanging out for me to say something nice about this manifesto. I'm sure. I'm sure. Now they've got right it. Now. They're like, oh, we really want to hear what Jack and Levi have to say about <laughs> our manifesto. feminism. <laughs> I actually thought. I think they're they're, they're naming. They've fucked up the branding because I went into it thinking like xenofeminism, mm. like um, like a xenomorph or like a xenograph mm. or something like cross species. I thought like this is going to be about feminism to do with like uh, like helping cows. And stuff. That's what I thought. That's mm. my guess going in. You know, because there's a lot well, of issues with how we treat female cows versus like male cows. <laughs> I was like, well, there's a whole like potential genre here of like eco-feminist stuff. But no, no, they're talking about future futurist cybernetic feminism, which is still cool. I don't, yeah. I don't mind it. Well, I, I read in an interview that they have on their website. They have a lot of them. Um, yeah. They were going over why they chose to call themselves xenofeminists. What was their reason? And so they said it's. The prefix Xeno should be understood in the context of alienation. And so Xeno as in like something foreign, a stranger, something not from a particular community because they're, they're proposing a feminism that lies yeah. outside of our, like xenophobia, our I guess. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when they talk about, so yeah, so it's, it's one Xenofeminism because they are particularly interested in in this sense of alienation, when they talked about their concept of alienation, that was one of the places where they lost me. So this is this is not in the manifesto proper. So when I read the manifesto at first, because they reference Marx, I assumed they meant alienation in the Marxist context of, say, workers feeling this sense of meaningless and futility in modern capitalism because a worker is 
unable to determine their own course in life, unable to to own the products of their labor because they don't own their actions as a result or the result of their actions because the bourgeoisie own the means of production and they're the ones who determine that. But in an in an interview, actually, they said, no, it's not Marxist. And that would have been good if they'd actually specified that in the manifesto. I feel like the manifesto requires a great quite a bit of reading of other things on their website to actually make more sense, particularly with key key concepts like their concept of alienation. You see, that's how they get you. They just it's just a little taster. Yeah, (laughs) but when something is as important to xenofeminism as this different concept of alienation, which I I will describe, then that should be in the manifesto. This is actually really important to understanding what they're talking about. Because when they say alienation, they're not speaking about an individual subject being estranged from a community or society, and they're not meaning it in the Marxist sense. What they're talking about is an estrangement of sapience and sentience. And I, I did think this was a little bit silly. So let, let me know what you, what you think of this. So they say that the estrangement of our sapience and sentience is what allows us to engage in abstract thought. And it will be our ability to engage in abstract thought, which will allow us to liberate ourselves from the unjust parts of nature. Because one of their phrases that can sum up, or at least give a real idea of what xenofeminism is about, is if nature is unjust, then change nature, which I think is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, Jack and I are definitely pro taking superhuman levels of testosterone to get jacked. So, <laughs> like, that's the true we're, we're on board. That's, yeah. Leave humanity behind. <laughs> 120 kilos and 3% body fat. Yeah. Yeah. 120 kilos. I want 200 kilos. <laughs> Ronnie Coleman negative percentages of body fat. <laughs> I just realized like I loved my it when eyes he, are bloodshot. I loved it when he started claiming that at one stage he had, he had negative body fat. He's awesome. I just realized that my eyes are bloodshot on camera and I just want to just make sure everybody knows I'm not high. It's just I've been diving today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so the alienation of our sapience and sentience. So she, okay, so Laboria Cubonics, the six-person international feminist collective, refers to itself as she. So, like, I'm just going to refer to Laboria Cubonics as she because it's easier. So she says that we can understand sapience to be the human ability to use reason, both to reflect on what is happening in our lives and to consciously act on the world around it, and by extension to construct the world around us. So to make new modes of thought through which we understand the world and can view the world. She then says sentience is the awareness of one's own surroundings without the capacity to deliberately reflect and act on it. And she says these two things are alienated from each other. And she then goes on to say, okay, there's not a clean split between these states. However, they're different enough that they cause an estrangement from each other. And that gives rise to abstract thought. I'm just, I'm not clear on why those things are alienated from each other. I mean, I suppose if you, if you just say in the human animal, the ability to be aware of your existence and the ability to act upon that awareness are different things. You can make that statement. I just I don't know why they're necessarily alienated from each other. 
Yeah, I think this falls into the category of like. I guess my problem is like you can say these things. I just don't really know. It it feels like an arbitrary distinction. Like you could equally say, yeah. okay, well they're they're all encompassed in the same capacity, and there is no alienation. I think this falls into the category of just like overthinking things. <laughs> like mm. honestly, when I yeah, and yeah, actually, and that know, is one of the things like... that irritated me about this is just like how obviously overeducated all of the authors are. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The the level of academic speak in this is near lethal. Yeah, I like, this actually should, this should be handled with extreme caution. On on that note, I was thinking like this when I as I was reading, it, <clears throat> I was like, okay, the person I assumed that it was a single person, but the people who are writing this are obviously all like PhDs in uh, probably yeah, yeah. like like you know women's studies or like anthropology or something, and mm, mm. yeah, you know, nothing wrong with that. You know, go and study whatever you want, but at the same time, you can't be hoping to win over a mass audience with this sort of writing. I'm just not going to fly. <laughs> like this is appe- <laughs> this is appealing to like a third year undergrad who's who's majoring in like gender studies or something, and they'll be obsessed with this it is, for like this is like take modern years. catnip. That's what I think of it as. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's catnip for fucking lefty uni students who like are bored and and like bored with the student union. Like it'll entertain them for a couple of years, and then they'll get to the real world and realize this is a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> I don't, I, maybe I'm more sympathetic than you. I I liked this, and I do think there are parts I like of it it. that I'm not saying that I don't fun, like it, and I would I definitely recommend it. I recommend that people read it. So, and whether I agree that if you don't like aspects of the the what what composes of your body, the nature of your body, and we'll get into their anti naturalism or their normative anti naturalism versus ontological anti-naturalism soon. Listeners can't see me raising my eyebrows, but Levi can. <laughs> I guess that, that is an approach to if you feel that there is an injustice in the body you have. My issue is more change it uh, using technology. an issue of, of, uh, of uh, aesthetic sensibilities. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with, mm. with like the things they're saying in that Regard. Oh, the aesthetic like, sensibilities. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Just, okay, just so the amount of like we, academic we can separate and like, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And then yeah. in the aesthetic sensibilities, design of their website, tick, really like it. Great. <laughs> How they've written it, disaster. Disaster. One yeah. out of 10 makes me want to vomit on myself. Because you have is, in Jack like, and Levi just, a very pro- body modification audience. Like, I, I like performance. <laughs> Particularly if it involves copious amounts of anabolic steroids. <laughs> like, we've had this, co- uh, we haven't had this conversation on air, on air, on fucking air, like, <laughs> on, on, live on, on air. air. Yeah. yeah. Speaking like, at my laptop. Speaking at our laptops, yeah. But, like, I would love it if, I, I don't think we've had this on, maybe we have, I mean, who fuck knows at this point, we've recorded so much. We've had this conversation so many times in, Face to face, but on the on the podcast, like I actively like the fact that professional athletes take steroids. Like I want them to take performance enhancing <laughs> drugs. I like. I think all this Usada nonsense is a bunch of bullshit. Like get out of their way. Just let them put whatever they want in their body, and let the biggest, baddest, yeah, most yeah. kemped up motherfuckers just smash each other to pieces in the NFL or whatever. Like I don't care. Yeah. So like <laughs> Le- Levi and I hadn't seen each other face to face for over a year. And we met up with each other and went, we had, what, like 48 hours or so that we saw each other. And like, 
And in a large portion of a dinner conversation was taken up with us talking about how we want our pri- priorities not, in our friendship. Not only non, non-drug tested sports leagues, but ones where it's actively encouraged just to modify your body as much because as look possible. At, look at the amount of just performance in Giant freaky dudes with robotic modifications smashing into each other. Like, I don't think Lance Armstrong is, I just, is, I want to see is a bad freaks. guy. I think Lance Armstrong is a fucking hero for putting all that shit in his body. Like, he's a walking laboratory. Biohacker. Biohacker. Biohacker extraordinary. That's fucking cool, man. Like... I mean, let him even go crazy with like uh, in vivo gene modification. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Get some crispy in you, you know. Because when I watch I the NFL, like, I feel like myostatin as a gene is oh holding us God. all back, <laughs> <laughs> holding the species back. You know that if the it's bodybuilders the could, back. could like crisper that shit out of their Delete body, they would. They absolutely would in a heartbeat. <laughs> They'd probably end up breaking every bone in their body. Wow, can you imagine what Doherty's gym is going to be like in 40 years? Instead of some dude offering you, like, to buy some Diana bowl from him in the bathroom, it's going to be him, like, offering to del- use CRISPR technology to delete Myostatin from <laughs> Such you. a fucking bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just, this is medical advice. There are no side effects to deleting myostatin. There are so, no downsides to for it. For listeners who don't know, go and look it up. It's the fucking coolest thing ever. Myostatin. Yeah, look, it, myostatin it, Myo means pool. muscle. Statin means like to stop like stasis. And so a myostatin deficiency means you just grow unbelievable amounts of fucking muscle. <laughs> <laughs> and these, these cows that have myostatin deficiencies are amazing. Yeah, so like the energy requirement for such an animal is is high. It's very high. <laughs> they, Some they might say unnecessarily high. 30 raw eggs a day. But but Fins if you're following the, raw Toronto. egg nationalists diet, then you'll be fine. <laughs> Turns out those myostatin efficient cows are all raw egg nationalists as well. <laughs> they're actually they're, they're actually all, just all drinking right. the the OG, the original Gironda milkshake <laughs> three times a day. And reading Xenofeminism, getting jacked up to like, yeah. like overthrow the capitalist <laughs> capitalist farmer. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the workers have nothing to lose but their myostatin genes. So, right? so bring it back. <laughs> bring it back to xenofeminism. Like, okay, the authors Laboria Cubonics had Jack and I as an audience, and we're very like we're on board. Yeah. We're very predisposed to be like, yeah, transhumanist body modification. Yeah. Let's do this. And then just the fucking academic wankery. You didn't. They just hedged in so much. Like, yeah, wow. They have read way like, too it, much. It's of that, obvious like, that they're smart. Yeah. And that's reading this. I just, I just think that like, I get it. I know you're smart. You don't There's need a to lot keep of that uh, over the head with it. You know, some people they're like here, like they scratch their butt and then they go here. Smell how how. How smart I am. <laughs> smell it. Smell it. <laughs> smell my PhD. <laughs> smell the hand. Smell the hand. I am so smart. I use big word. <laughs> it's oh, like, just... I, I, did, I did take some examples of the, the most ridiculous ways that they would express what is sometimes quite a pedestrian thought in just the most turgid prose. <laughs> smell the finger. Smell the finger of my PhD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so a really uh, here we go. So an important concept that they come out with really, really early on in the manifesto is that something being natural to them is not that doesn't make it right. They reject the idea that naturalness is in some way normative, and so 
Yeah. Okay. Actually, no. So here's here's a quote that that can probably sum it up better than I can. So anyone who's been deemed unnatural in the face of reigning biological norms, anyone who's experienced injustices wrought in the name of natural order, will realize that the glorification of nature has nothing to offer us. The queer and trans among us, the differently abled, as well as those who have suffered discrimination due to pregnancy or duties connected to child rearing. Xenofeminism is vehemently anti-naturalist. Essentialist naturalism reeks of theology. The sooner it is exercised, the better. They do go on later to distinguish their anti-naturalism, to to home in on what specifically they don't like about naturalism, and it is the normative aspect of it. The, you are born a certain way with a certain body, and therefore you have to behave in a way that that is thought to be becoming of someone with that body. And so, I mean, I'll give them this. They're very consistent with, like, they, they set out at the beginning, okay, here are a few things. It's like, we like technology, and we think it's a way to, that humans... It's a way that humans can improve the world around them, although it's not a given. We're anti-normative naturalism. And I guess then there is also the unspoken assumption that giving people freedom, no matter what their background is, is a good thing. But that's like that's such a widely shared one in our society that it's it's almost invisible. They've taken that freedom even for like you can do whatever you want. You can just like But they yeah. say like Different, like why even why even stop at two genders? Why not a hundred genders? That let a hundred genders bloom. Yeah. I think they say uh, let a hundred genders bloom because we can just make all these different genders, and that's what's technologically possible, or could be mm. could be technologically possible in the future. And their their discussion their discussion of gender is really interesting, actually. Uh, that that was one of the most interesting parts of this manifesto. Okay, so I'm I'm flicking through my notes, so. Section 0x02, again, this is, this, is, this is very advanced user interface. This is, this, is, this is future counting. Yeah, they wish to repurpose technology for progressive gender political ends. And they do say that it's not without risk to repurpose technology to progressive gender political ends. But they, they basically, in a lot of words, say nothing ventured, nothing gained. <laughs> I think this, this is probably the worst part of the manifesto is just how terribly it's written. Like sometimes we've read plenty of things where the writing is bad because I expect the author is semi-literate. Or it's like their second language or something. These people are the opposite in that they're too literate. They've too read literate. too many books and it's damaged their brains and yep. they've stopped being able to write clearly. Yeah, or I don't... Uh, books are dangerous. People shouldn't read. This is <laughs> terrible. There's this thing where you can kind of tell when somebody is not like writing and, you know, it is written by multiple people. So it's probably, I guess it's very on point, actually. They, they've done an agenda, uh, a, a manifesto by committee, which is kind of, I think, <laughs> very, very on, on topic for them. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it reads like somebody that they're, they're not writing as themselves or they're not trying, they're not being themselves. You know, like mm, Ted Kaczynski is mm. a really good example. He, when he writes, you can hear it, it's Ted's voice. It's Uncle Ted's voice. <laughs> it's him writing. He's not trying yeah, to be. That's how his his cuck brother identified him. <laughs> Recognized Papa Ted's writing style. <laughs> oh, this sounds exactly like my brother's writing. <laughs> Gee, this sounds like my brother. I hope he's not mailing people bombs. 
<laughs> that does seem like something he would do. He has been missing for a number of years now. <laughs> I mean, he did disappear to a cabin in the woods 15 years ago. I feel like he was experimented on by with acid, so... Probably my Got brother. MK <laughs> Got MK'd. Um, yeah, anyways, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, their writing, however, it sounds like they're, they're writing like what they think a manifesto should sound like. It's kind of like a bit mm. bit meta, mm. but it's it comes across as very, like, inauth- inauthentic. <laughs> Criticising their, their, like, their writing style. <laughs> but it's jarring, you know. No, but... I think that's a that's a valid thing to criticize though because it really affects the clarity of this. It's like this, so this is what... could be much shorter and much clearer and I they're not hiding a lack of content with no, this no. overwrought writing style. There is there is something very interesting here and I think it's worth really worth reading but that it irritates me because they're actually making these interesting ideas much harder to access because it's just not well written. And it's 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 well written from like the point of view is like the sentences work properly. Like it's obviously they they <laughs> yeah it's, they're, it's yeah they're it's English grammatically and syntactically fine. correct. I'll, but it's that I'll problem that like that. left is it left wing or just like I don't know just you know the sort of wokey or like. Whatever the fuck is there what are, am I supposed yeah. to like that type of writing that comes out of no, academia it's, 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 where it's like too much the, social the sentences are too long. It's a particular style. Yeah, it's that style. It's, it's that like social science read, style. When you read BAPCOR and they'll like <laughs> they'll spell like what mean W A T. Yeah. Like there's there's BAP's ironic way of misspelling stuff, even though he speaks English perfectly fine. And it makes me wonder it's like diff- different subcultures and different subgroups. Yeah have different ways of signalling that they belong together. In the case of BAPCOR Twittersphere, it's they write like cavemen. Yeah, I'll go. In the case of... I really like that, though. Of, yeah, in the case of social <laughs> science professors and things, they they just overwrite. Overwrite. To, to the point where, that like, anything... Like, they could... It could be, like, the instruction manual to setting up a floor heater and they'll they'll manage to turn it into... A thirty thousand word manifesto, <laughs> and somehow blame capitalism for the reason your room's too cold, and that's why you need a heater, <laughs> and why they can't put it together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it weren't it's, for that, like they have some, like the substance. That is, that's the worst part of this manifesto. The substance of what they're saying is really interesting. Yeah. Um, futuristic. Like stuff, I won't but- be able to resist taking a few more cheap shots <laughs> at how it's written over the course of this. This episode, because I know myself too well. <laughs> I'm going to make fun of it more, but yeah, we should get that out of the way that this is by far the worst part of the manifesto. And if you can tolerate the sort of writing, there's a lot here to enjoy. Um, on that, I, uh, I, one of the things I did like, or not, mm. I have a hard time saying I like anything because I have a cold, cold little heart. Little decrepit little heart. <laughs> I just don't like things. I'm just a biological unmodified heart. <laughs> uh, but they're somewhat critical of certain aspects of, I suppose, quote unquote, modern feminism, which is refreshing to read, I guess, um, from a feminist book where they're like, here's some issues with feminism at the moment. So maybe I'll I'll read a little bit of it of like. Um, mm. Of like this one part. It's like, okay, your substance here is uh, Is this from 0x04? 0x05. Um, and it's like, there's, okay. a, so there's some substance here in like what you're saying. Okay, there's this concern that you have about like 
on feminist agendas. But then it's just like the way that you've written it just makes it like completely like a fuck you. <laughs> like, okay, so I'll just read. <laughs> so this is from the first paragraph of um, subsection two, I guess, or like section two, interrupt. Uh, the excess of modesty in feminist agendas of recent decades is not proportionate to the monstrous complexity of our reality. A reality cross-hatched with fiber optic cables, radio and microwaves, oil and gas pipelines, aerial and shipping routes, and the unrelenting simultaneous execution of millions of communications protocols with every passing millisecond. Systematic, or systematic thinking and structural analysis have largely fallen by the wayside in favor of admirable but insufficient struggles bound to fixed localities and fragmented insurrections. Whilst capitalism is understood as a, co as a complex and ever-expanding totality, many would-be emancipatory anti-capitalist projects remain profoundly fearful of transitioning to the universal, resisting big-picture speculative politics by condemning them as a necessarily oppressive vectors as necessarily oppressive vectors. Such a false guarantee treats universals as absolute, generating a debilitating disjunction between the thing we seek to dis depose and the strategies we advance to depose it. So like anytime the, mm. during mm. a sentence, I have to take a breath to finish the sentence, you fucked up. <laughs> like, yeah. Modern feminist movements are too <laughs> modest in their aims and view universalist agendas as oppressive and so do not aim to form these is, I think, more or less... And then it makes it hard to saying. decode actually what they're saying. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing, that there are ideas in here that are, that are really interesting, but they actually it feels like they're fighting you when you're trying <laughs> to work out what but they I've mean. But I've mean. had this problem with, with postmodern read, readings. Like, I've, I've, <laughs> I went to Amazon one day. It was like, what's the most popular book of all time on Amazon in this in this in the postmodern category? Went to that book and it's like, mm, okay, it's got mm. like four thousand five star ratings or some shit, whatever. It's like, oh, here's his four, five four and five star ratings, heaps of reviews. Apparently, it's a good book. Open it up, completely fucking impenetrable. It's just a bunch of gobbledygook. And it's like, okay, I'm not saying don't make your audience work, but make them work at the right things. Like, what matters? Okay, a challenging yeah. idea. There's like, okay, this is a really interesting, you know, like a really good example is like memes. Get your head around what Dawkins or like Deutsch or whoever are talking about memes. That's a pretty wild fucking concept. But the actual mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. conveying it and clearly communicating it, like it's already hard enough, hard enough to get your head around like these sorts of concepts without actually just making the writing impenetrable. <laughs> like I don't need to decode what you're actually <laughs> trying to say. Yeah, well, it's like trying to watch a movie. If the filmmaker just described, just decided to film everything and then overlay static <laughs> on every single image, it's like I mean, there's probably a good movie. You've got to squint. There, You've got to squint. You're making it harder, and not not in any sort of fruitful way. No, you're just fruitful. making it more difficult for me to engage with what you've made. And then there are also some part. I, I, being a little bit nitpicky here, aren't I? No, I'm not going to be nitpicky. What are some good farts? What are some good farts? No, we, we are always extremely nitpicky. <laughs> <laughs> this is a book club. From we have high standards. <laughs> They're just there's a, sometimes when somebody's writing, you'll see like oh, it's especially bad with these types of writers. I don't know if I've seen this in Bapcore or whatever, but it's where they'll say something and you know they just thought... Yeah, Bapcore has different problems. Different problems. But in this type of writing, it's like they've written something and they think it's real clever. And they think it's like, 
ah, here's a zinger. Got him. This is a this is a nice thing. So I'm going to read you one part where you just know that when they wrote this fucking sentence, they were like, ha, ha, take that. <laughs> so <laughs> this is from 0x0c. Um, they uh, talk about, I'll read the whole paragraph because it's the last sentence yeah, that I, yeah, just yeah. fucking pissed me off. <laughs> um, if, <laughs> if, if, quote, cyberspace, end quote, once offered the promise of escaping the strictures of essentialist identity categories, the climate of contemporary social media has swung forcefully in the other direction and has become a theatre where these uh, prostrations to identity are performed. With these curatorial practices come puritanical rituals of moral maintenance, and these stages are too often overrun with the disavowed pleasures of accusation, shaming, and denunciation. Making some interesting points. Great. Great. So far, actually pretty good. Valuable platforms for connection, organization, and skill sharing become clogged with obstacles to productive debate positioned as if they are debate. Still, you know, coming along. Still good. These puritanical politics of shame, which fetishize oppression as if it were a blessing and cloud the waters in moralistic frenzies, leave us cold. We want neither clean hands nor beautiful souls, neither virtue nor terror. We want superior forms of corruption. That last sentence, like, that could have been in the Eonic Futurist Manifesto. Ah, like, it's, it's, it's that's sort right. It's nothing sentence. That... <laughs> it could have been in like, Eonic yeah, Futurism. It sounds cool, but I don't actually... I'm not convinced it means anything. It's not cool. It's not cool. It's the sort of thing that, like, a 15-year-old is, is like, this is what cool writing sounds like for my fucking comic book. Or whatever. <laughs> it's like, no, don't. Don't put it. Take it out. You've studied. You, you've spent seven years studying, like, gender studies or whatever the hell. Like, surely you can realize that's not a good sentence to put at the end of an otherwise, like, perfectly interesting paragraph. It was good. Yeah. Okay, how about this? Here's a, here's a part. <laughs> it's from 0x04, and I, I really like this. I think that our problems, as discussed at length in our feminist glaciology episode, with this sort of thinking are really addressed in this paragraph, so I like it. Xenofeminism is a rationalism. To claim that reason or rationality is, by nature, a patriarchal enterprise is to concede defeat. It is true that the canonical history of thought is dominated by men, and it is male hands we see throttling existing institutions of science and technology. But this is precisely why feminism must be irrationalism, because of this miserable imbalance and not despite it. There is no feminine rationality, nor is there a masculine one. Science is not an expression, but a suspension of gender. If today it is dominated by masculine egos, then it is at odds with itself, and this contradiction can be leveraged. Reason, like information, wants to be free, and patriarchy cannot give it freedom. Rationalism must itself be a feminism. Xenofeminism marks the point at which the point where these claims intersect in a two-way dependency. Yeah, so they're, they're getting bogged down in word salad. It names reason as an engine of feminist emancipation and declares the right of everyone to speak as no one in particular. So I do like that they reject this quite self-defeating notion that some people have that that reason is a patriarchal oppressive tool and therefore feminists should reject it which i think is like that's going to get you nowhere that's not helpful see i i didn't <clears throat> see this is where they kind of almost had me on on side i was like okay so there are some people who get too caught up on the historical okay like historically a bunch of scientists uh 
white men from Europe or Ashkenazi mm. Jews mm. and predominantly male. So maybe you spin some like heteronormative like argument about, you know, science being male dominated. And the fact that they were kind of at least kind of disagreeing with that, I was like, okay, these people are trying to think about yeah. it a little bit more, like a, trying to be a bit more sophisticated about it. They're saying like, no, science can be used by women and feminism as well. So I thought that was fine. And yeah, cool. Thumbs up. They delivered it terribly, but <laughs> like if I yeah, scream, yeah, that's a given. As we've got, as we've said, that's just that's a given. That's a blanket statement. Like, that is going to be a criticism applicable to every single part of this manifesto. If I squint, they occasionally make points where, essentially, the stuff that I largely found I agreed with them on was like, okay, feminism can adopt and be a part of science, or like you can have just like non-gendered yeah. science and. We can use it as feminist. You expressed that with too few words, but I'll let it pass. <laughs> and the other part where they were like, okay, and there's also too much of a emphasis. Would, did they use the word like, um, or am I misrepresenting, like where they were kind of critical of uh, feminism being too self-defeating? Like, you know, that line of arguing. Yeah, where it's yeah, like yeah. You are framing the narrative as women making like your narrative framing is that women are victims or whatever, transgendered people, differently able people, whatever. And they kind of take, they at moments they take issues with that and they push back against that. And I thought, okay, well, this seems like it could be productive. But they, they, there's something about it where they don't quite round that, those, those bits of thought, thought off. They don't follow, they don't follow mm. through with it. They just kind of disappear into the typical futurist nonsense, which is like, in the future, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in in part, it's it's the limitations of a manifesto, and yeah, we saw true. this in yeah we saw this in an example of a another well written manifest and well thought out manifesto, which I, I consider this Xeno feminist manifesto mm. to be well thought out and like style aside, they are like they they have executed the style they have aimed for in the writing. <laughs> this uh, is the most like, Jack can give it. <laughs> yeah, they they've successfully performed their in-group ritual of writing impenetrably. So <laughs> yes, they belong to the social sciences. Well done. <laughs> but even in even in successful manifestos, just by nature of the fact that it's meant to be polemical, it's meant to get yeah. people more interested in the ideas, and so we'll leave out some detail. That's just that's just a feature of this particular style of writing or of this particular style of persuasive piece. How, however, they do they leave out some discussions that I think would be really useful to have in the manifesto, and then, like you say, they will have things in here that I don't think need to be in here, which are more platitudinous sections. But as we talked about before. It would have been really helpful, given how significant this their different concept of alienation is to the the enterprise of xenofeminism. That would have been really good to have in the manifesto, rather than just in some random interview with the South Korean feminist magazine, which is which is where I found the definition. Yeah, and I I think like the the point of these sorts of manifestos, I always thought was like to rouse interest and get people. In the door, mm. or at least like the Ionic Futurist, yeah, yeah, like two. There's two. There's two main functions. Like get people in the door. So, like if I was really interested in 
xenofeminism, I could send it to one of my friends and try to radicalize them, <laughs> get you in the door. But also mm. like to the people that are already on your team, like give them something substantive, like a kind of guiding star, like this is what we believe in. But there's almost like there's something lacking. It doesn't quite have that like it kind of leaves the book open in a way that's like very unsatisfying. It's like, okay, what now? Mm. What do I do with this now? So do I chop my dick because off? It's like, what do I do? So <laughs> integrated with the rest of the website. I think one way they have done they've handled this well is it's very integrated with the rest of the website. And the website has a lot of this information and it's easy to reach. So that's Yeah. So they that's really one need way to that they've like, tried to address that problem. Have this just riddled with backlinks on the PDF too. Because I read on Yeah, the, actually, yeah. The, if they just the had links to stuff, that that could be cool. Yeah. yeah. So, but, you know. Oh, what, what about this? Here's an example of just turbo academic feminist <laughs> prose. So I'm pretty sure what they're trying to say in this section is we want women to learn to be comfortable with computers in order to free themselves and others because computers are powerful tools. Here we go. I said that in too few words, though, which is a cardinal sin of academic feminism. I quote, we are adamantly synthetic, unsatisfied by analysis alone. Xenofeminism urges constructive oscillation between description and prescription to mobilise the recursive potential of contemporary technologies upon gender, sexuality and disparities of power. Given that there are a range of gendered challenges specifically relating to life in a digital age, from sexual harassment via social media to doxing, privacy and the protection of online images, the situation requires a feminism at ease with computation. Today, it is imperative that we develop an ideological infrastructure that both supports and facilitates feminist interventions within connective networked elements of the contemporary world. Xenofeminism is about more than digital self-defense and freedom from patriarchal networks. We want to cultivate the exercise of positive freedom, freedom to rather than simply freedom from, and urge feminists to equip themselves with the skills to redeploy existing technologies and invent novel cognitive and material tools in the service of common ends. <laughs> like, like, it's cool if women learn to code so that they can take advantage of digital technologies too. Like, that, like mate, that's learn to, you needed to say. learn to code and learn how to learn how learn to, to learn how to use code. the platforms. Like, get on Twitch or podcast or whatever like learn to code and learn to communicate online that's the message of that paragraph and and yep. in, in so doing as a feminist go and do feminist stuff <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not that it's not that fucking complicated there we go yeah yeah it's like but the, the the reason why i guess i just keep on bringing it back to this stylistic stuff is if they're actually i'm going to go out on a limb and assume that they actually uh um sincere in that they want to have some impact on yeah. the world. Yeah, I, I really do think and that. in wanting to have an impact on the world, presumably you don't just want to convince other gender study majors to get on board with your funny futuristic version of feminism. Like presumably you actually want to mm. reach a wider audience. And this is just like completely mm. unappealing to anybody outside of like... Yeah, this does not work. Like a PhD program in gender studies or something. like It's just completely ridiculous. Yeah. Because again, like there are like some legitimately interesting points, <laughs> but they're just there lost. are a lot of genuinely interesting points. The thing is, a, like quite a number of the points are quite pedestrian. Like that previous section I read, it's like it's a fairly pedestrian thing to say, 
like particularly in the context that I imagine all of the women who compose Laboria Cubonics um, occupy, like academic centers, to say, yes, it is a good thing to have more women learn to code. I doubt that's going to meet with much opposition. That's a pretty, pretty safe, play, safe yeah. thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's phrased in such a way that it, it feels almost like they're playing at dangerousness or playing at some sort of transgression. It's, it's like the it's least transgressive posture, thing that you can say. Almost, it almost tries to phrase everything as this transgressive protest. And it's like, no, you're just saying more women should code. Yeah, yeah. In <laughs> fact, not everything, not everything <laughs> needs to be transgressive or dangerous to be worthwhile. You know what the really dangerous and transgressive thing to say would be? It'd be, it'd be to say less women should code. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my social change. Less women should code. There's too many women coding right now. That's the transgressive. You want to be dangerous and edgy, go fucking advocate that position. <laughs> yeah. Have, yeah, have well, fun with it. You're not going to get I think, a grant I think I've said this in a previous episode. It's like transgression is always contextual. Yeah. (laughs) And the sort of thing that is transgressive in a university social sciences department is going to be different to something that you'd say at a Trump rally. It's almost like because they're in this isolated, they're in this isolated, like ivory tower, you know, classic saying, like the Mm. ivory tower, they don't realize that actually they're not being transgressive. Like you're shouting at the world, like there's some demon. It's like every fucking major corporation has boatloads of funding and programs to try and support women in technology. Like every, like you mm. can look at all the major social networks and stuff like LinkedIn and Facebook and all the major technology companies. They'll have some program without funding a scholarship or they're trying to like improve like employment targets with women across design and technology like that is not transgressive at all that is like actively being Mm. adopted as like a a principle for like representation in the technology industry and the technology industry is by far and away one of the most like left or not i won't say left but like progressive agenda industries on the face of the planet and to like advocate that as if that's like somehow forward thinking and transgressive is just absolutely not the case yeah and it's also when you're going when you're always going flat out you lose a bit of the nuance because when the authors come to things that are are just much less mainstream it has a much lesser effect because they phrase everything as this exhortation to some groundbreaking new way of being. So when they put forward this idea that if nature is unjust, then change nature when it comes to your body, that is still quite radical. Or or there's at least different levels to it. But its impact is just so much less because (laughs) it's also women should code is phrased in the same same glorious way yeah that's a good point actually yeah because what they're saying is like okay so different types and degrees of body modification are culturally acceptable across different cultures right Uh, really Mm, like mm. the obvious really common ones like tattoos like ear piercing tattoos ear piercing circumcision like male circumcision um fairly common even like breast implants like you know like that's i know uh women in our age group who have considered, at least considered, if not gotten breast implants. Mm. Um, people compliment me all the time on my delt implants. Yeah, people compliment me all the they time really on like my breast implants. <laughs> yeah. I guess... Look, it- there's, there's a reason why people call you Big Titty Levi. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, my zygote um, implants are going really well. Like, my mandibular extensions mm. are great. <laughs> 
yeah, my femur yeah. extensions. I've uh, been I've been <laughs> DIYing it by just bone smashing and jelking at home to see if I can save on a bit of cash. But in yeah. there was this, I think we said this. <laughs> looks maxes. Looks maxes. Looks maxes are transhumanists. They are. Looks maxes are the, the most powerful transhumanist organization. And they actually internet. put it into practice. <laughs> They walked the talk. <laughs> no, we had another conversation we had offline, which I thought was quite funny. After our looks maxing episode, Jack, wasn't you afterwards? You found out that for a certain like particular penile disorder for, for treatment of Peyronie's disease, there's this like <laughs> they actually prescribe that you hang yeah. that you hang that you hang off your penis for like half an hour a day for a few months that urologists will prescribe and it works. It works. And of course the guy interviewing this, the guy interviewing the urologist was like, what happens if you've got a normal penis? Does it make it to <laughs> <laughs> To which apparently it does. J- Jack and I immediately rolled back our criticisms of jelking. <laughs> like, well, maybe. Jelking, maybe jelking is now cool. Maybe we've got to give it a go, man. <laughs> Maybe this these medical advice. aren't so crazy after all. Jelking's really cool. <laughs> I was it was a rolling on? pin for best for best results. Peter Adia or something was it? Like some huge fucking podcast. Peter Atia. Peter yeah. Atia. Saint Peter. Like you know, like a million dudes heard that and were like, "Whoa, really?" Now, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> got to see my urologist. <laughs> um, back to xenofeminism. Yeah. So like. If they're if they're advocating <laughs> some of the more they're advocating for jelking, <laughs> and I'm on a board. <laughs> the rest the rest of the manifest where looks maxes jelking. Jack and xenofeminists like all can agree on is how fucking good is jelking? <laughs> how good is jelking? Start jelking. <laughs> Look, even if you've got a clit, start jelking. Make that shit bigger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it could at least be the size of your little finger. <laughs> Um, anyways, that's progress. the point that I was eventually going to make was <laughs> they're assuming some of the more radical forms of gen- of, of body modification, which would be like full like gender mm. transitions mm. and that sort of stuff, which at this point in history is still a fairly like fringe thing to do. But, you know, it's interesting. If you've read any, not that I've read, I've just got a girlfriend who loves fucking science fiction, so she's read Ursula K. Le Guin and <clears throat> has told me about it. And uh, I think uh, one of her books is literally about like, and she's a very like, she's ahead of her time in terms of the way that she thinks by the sound of it. I guess secondhand reporting somebody else's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, was that uh, her books deal with gender issues and like fire in the future or like other planets. Um, like basically genderless alien civilizations or a genderless future where technology has allowed us to break free from like these gender norms and all that sort of stuff. It's kind of what's being experimented with, I suppose. Mm. Transgenderism. See how it works out in the next yeah. couple yeah, of years. Yeah, well, it's now that t- technology has arrived at a point, yeah, where you can start playing with that. Like what happens when a woman can conceivably like, I don't know, you know, like can't, are we at the point yet where we can grow organs using our own, like we can use, we can force an adult cell to go regress back into a stem cell stage and then grow an organ? No, grow, growing organs isn't quite there yet. It's not quite there it's, yet. But we can no. retrograde uh, cells into like earlier stage cells. Is that a thing yet? Y- you, can in, you can induce stem cells. Induce pluripotent stem cells. Yeah. So that, that is possible. not quite the point of like growing. Getting them to yet. grow into an organ is is not there yet. That's a really difficult Okay, problem. so hypothetically. Not insoluble. Hypothetically. Like I, I, I'm pretty confident that it'll get solved. If we solve it for like there. a really obvious one would be like liver. 
you know, like if somebody has had Big some dick. sort of like cirrhosis or something or, or a tiny little Small dick penis. and they need to, <laughs> if you've got a micro penis. And, and they you, can't gel it any you can't, you can't gel it beyond like three inches. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to grow an external penis in a vat using induced pluripotent stem cells. <laughs> Grafted out I'm of your... I'm not joking. Like, <laughs> that will this, happen one day. When, more like when this technology gets cheap enough, that's going to be one of the major uses of it. Just insecure dudes wanting uncomfortably large penises that probably a fraction of 1% of women are interested in. <laughs> it's like bodybuilding, dude. It's not about the women. It's about, it's about other men. Yeah, it's not about women anymore. <laughs> like, no homo. It's only no for homo, other dudes to compliment it's, you on it's, your dick. It's for other dudes. I have this muscle car, yeah, yeah. big muscles, and a big dick so that I can talk to the other bros at the gym about how much well, of a man yeah, I how, am. <laughs> how many women will look at a guy and go like, Oh man, yeah, I, I can really see the separation between his upper pecs and his anterior. Delts. I can see that Christmas wow. tree in his gotta, in his lower I've got to ask about what his routine is. Those striations <laughs> on his glutes, bro. <laughs> Just drops drops to a knees straight away. <laughs> it's like, well, unless he's at least thirteen inches, I'm not going to suck his dick. <laughs> yeah, what's the glute ham tie-in like? <laughs> Does he have a teardrop? A nice defined teardrop. <laughs> yeah, pretty good teardrop quads. Yeah, yeah. Liking how the VMO looks there. <laughs> Yeah, so that's obviously all for impressing other dudes, which is very strange that they all talk to each other about, like, getting women. <laughs> <laughs> We've been conned into talking about looks maxing again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need to stop doing that. They talk about, actually, they reject the illusion that the weak can prevail over the strong with no strategic coordination. And also reject the, they call it the melancholy, which is particularly prevalent on the left. They seem to define melancholy as the belief that nothing can truly change this defeatism that prevents people from truly acting. So I do like that this isn't a, a call to being passive, which is something that seems to be the subtext of some social sciences papers that I've read. So like they're, they're encouraging an active posture towards the world, which I like. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. How about some more academic speak? Academic word salad. I'm pretty sure they're saying here that social media platforms exist and we can't wish them away. And as such, they should be leveraged. So point. They've got a point. There you go. Mm. Now they're about to, they're about to lose that point. <laughs> yep. I'll, uh, I'll pull it up. So what is it? 0x0d. Naming conventions so fucking annoying. Can't they just use <laughs> seriously? Or you should be able to do hex hexadecimal conversions in your head, Jack. Like on the fly. <laughs> what this shows is that the task of engineering platforms for social emancipation and organization cannot ignore the cultural and semiotic mutations these platforms afford. What requires re-engineering are the mimetic parasites arousing and coordinating behaviours in ways occluded by their host's self-image. Failing this, memes like anonymity, ethics, social justice and privilege checking host social dynamisms at odds with the often commendable intentions with which they're taken up. The task of collective self-mastery requires a hyperstitional manipulation of desires, puppet strings and deployment of semiotic operators over a terrain of highly networked cultural systems. The will will always be corrupted by the memes in which it traffics, but nothing prevents us from instrumentalizing this fact and calibrating it in view of the ends it desires. 
just the level of so much eye rolling for listeners. For listeners, <laughs> first off, Jack and I are actually talking on camera this 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 episode because our yeah we our see each other stable enough. So we'll either upload it. Our internet's stable, and I got a new computer, so my webcam works on YouTube with our faces, so you can look at our gorgeous looks max faces, or we'll do something with animation or something. But. Uh, for those just listening, mm-hmm. uh, you c- would not have heard my eyes rolling back in the back of my head. <laughs> Slurping sh- back sh- into your sh- head. Shaking my head. It's just so ridiculous. <laughs> who who even thinks I'm going to use hyperstitial manipulation of desires puppet strings? Like, <laughs> and at least like f- apparently four or five people ran their eyes over that fucking sentence and thought, that's good. That's what we want to say. Like, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah got nice. him. Got him. <laughs> 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 Do you reckon they did that little nod that you you know as thumb musicians when they they get a particularly hard part down and they finish they do that little nod to themselves like yeah, yeah nailed, nailed it. it. Do you reckon yeah, they were nodding and to like themselves the, like you know like they wrote that? the guitarist the lead guitarist like puts his head like turns his head a little nod to the to the drummer yeah. after the drum solo like, yeah yeah nailed yeah. it man yeah, yeah got yeah, it got it yeah. <laughs> Smash it. Yeah. Hyperstitial manipulation of desires puppet strings. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Fucking bullshit word. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I love bullshit words though. Hey, it reminds me of when I was I was seventeen and uh and I tried to, you know, just I don't know what it was like in your part of the country, but like our part of the country is just like, can you just bullshit the fuck out of your uh, English exam? Just write the most yeah, bullshitty yeah, yeah, essay. This seventeen-year-old Levi trying to bullshit through his his high school certificate <laughs> using words. <laughs> All right, there's this really simple word. Let me go to the thesaurus and find the words with the most syllables. <laughs> that means roughly the same thing. <laughs> Let me memorize that and then use it. Almost correctly on the final exam. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I don't think I use the word hyperstitional. <laughs> it's yeah. a real missed opportunity. <laughs> what about this bit when they talk about they talk about gender? They say they're gender abolitionist, and when they say they're gender abolitionist, that doesn't mean that they want to construct a society in which traits associated with a particular gender are are just eliminated. It's more they're saying they want to make a society where these traits associated with a gender are not used for the asymmetric operation of power. Mm. And they say that it's similar to how they're race abolitionist in that they want to make currently racialized physical characteristics no more determinants of discrimination than they said eye colour. And I would like to introduce them to a certain vague Vicaness on the subject of eye colour conveying specific <laughs> and special privileges. Yeah, as we know, there's a hierarchy. Over a game of Mifarog. Over a game of Mifarog. Do you think they would like playing Mifarog? I think they would. We should see if we can get them to play Mifarog. Email them. Hey, come on the podcast, yeah, play Mifarog. Actually, <laughs> we'll send them a transcript of this episode and an invitation to play Mifarog. <laughs> you know who I think would genuinely be funny to play Mifarog with? Varg. The Red Scare Chicks. I think that'd be hilarious. Yeah, probably. Mifarog and then and then like Yeah, I think that'd be really funny. I think that'd get around. Can we can we sub out the uh the lame ass Xeno feminist people for for Red Scare? (laughs) (laughs) So um I'd wanna play it with Raw Egg Nationalist. 
Rogue nationalists can make us make us snacks, drinks. We can play Mifrog. We can each we can each drink an OG original Geronda Whilst while we play Mifrog with Xeno feminists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yep, Jack yep. just summarized what they were trying to say really well, but the way they actually said it. <laughs> <laughs> I am the screening function standing between the listener and this manifesto. Like, if we could actually just get you to pass it, rewrite what they said in, like, one-fifth. Yeah, but, you but then probably, the entire manifesto would be, like, 300 words. You'd be... But but you would actually probably do, like, them a favour. Potentially, like, make yeah. it tweetable. Well, as I keep saying, there's actually... Like, there's something here that's really interesting. Yeah. I'm going to point out one flaw that mm. I think mm. <laughs> is pervasive, like a more on the level of substance rather mm. than execution, um, <clears throat> which I think is pervasive across all of these. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is, is it okay to call this sort of crap leftist or is it like progressive or is it neo whatever? Depends on how you, how you define like, all those terms. But I, I'm sure they would identify with the left broadly. You know, yeah. directionally what I'm trying to say. Essentially like, you know, wokey sort of crap is uh is like this pervasive demonization uh of of capitalism, what they call capitalism. And I'm not sure if I'm I'm not convinced. I've not read anything yet and it's kinda of like every now and then I try to get into it do it, chip away at it because it's a very long book, but Dust Capital or Capital. Yeah, that's a, that's a rough one. And Angles. And I chip away at it and I just, I just, yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, I just, it's just like, okay, you, but you just don't understand capitalism. Like you're criticizing something that you just fundamentally don't understand. Then I go and read a little bit of Piketty. Like, it takes about two seconds to realize somebody doesn't understand capitalism. And in this particular instance, because they haven't actually said, well, this is what we mean by capitalism. Capitalism as a word or as a concept seems to take on this in this wokey sort of realm of the memeplex, takes on this like kind of boogeyman role, where it's like, oh, the big system, oh, the capitalism, <laughs> the capitalism going to oppress everyone. <laughs> it's going to, it's, it's coming for you, disabled people. It's coming for you, brown people. <laughs> it's going to crush you and oppress you. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I got a smile out of you, Jack. <laughs> and uh, and. I don't know what to say to them other than just like go and read a fucking economics book. Like you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Capitalist economics book. Okay, yeah. Well, there you go. Like, and then gotcha. Of course, that is actually what they say. Like, they will actually say that. That's that is literally like one of Marx's points. Is like, well, all the economists are a bunch of bourgeoisie like speaking heads anyway, so we can dismiss what they're fucking saying. Um, so it's a it is really a losing battle. But <clears throat> let's just be really clear. The fact that, okay, very clear. Everybody listening, you're not going to go and read an economics textbook. Firstly, if you are inclined towards reading an economics textbook, Saifedean Amos just released a new book called Principles mm -hmm. of Economics. Very, very good. That and Thomas Sowell's Basic Economics. If you pick up those two books and you read those two books cover to cover, you'll have a better understanding of economics, especially microeconomics than like 99% of people. And you'll immediately understand why these people don't understand what the hell they're talking about. It's very simple. Okay, there's essentially two types of goods that you need to be aware of. A consumption good, which is something that you like consume, buy, acquire for consuming, 
like a banana, buy it, eat it, okay? Consumption good. Then there's a capital good. A capital good is something that you <clears throat> acquire not for the purpose of like consuming it directly, but for the purposes of creating other things. And so a banana could be a consumption good or it could be a capital mm-hmm. good. It could be a capital good if you're actually going to turn it into banana bread. In that case, the banana is capital. Okay, the fact that we have this distinction between different types of goods at different points in the production process and that like I can be a capitalist and go and like use my computer to make a computer program and it's a capital good or I can use it to watch Netflix and it's a consumption good. Like that has nothing to do <laughs> with, with the fact that like there's like some disabled person has got like a mental disability that inhibits them from being able to engage in like productive labor. Like there's, there's just two separate two separate conversations and the fact that these people constantly bring up oh it's capitalism it's this this distinction between capital goods and consumption goods and like the distribution of ownership of the capital goods is somehow causing all these social issues to me like what it's really doing is it's dog whistling they're actually signaling to like their friends and colleagues that like yeah we know who who the boogeyman is <laughs> they're not actually interested in engaging with like a productive conversation around this yeah and i find it gets i don't know if that's a productive it gets much actually, less coherent when they smash it together with <laughs> particularly weird french theory so they'll 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 marry it with foucault or derrida at which point it becomes just a complete mess it's it's this it's this very so, strange like, uh, marriage of <laughs> Marxism, to my mind, is oh, yeah. very much an Enlightenment philosophy in that it proposes a knowable external physical world to humans and one that, on being known, can be manipulated to the betterment of human lives. And then they smash it together with, with people like Foucault, who at times seem to be arguing with the variability of human beings to know concretely anything outside of themselves. Mm-hmm. And also mm-hmm. this idea that you can, mm-hmm. you can constantly reread some text or some concept in a new light and all you have to do is continue to deconstruct something. But somehow that continuous deconstruction stops when it hits Marxism. It's like, oh, okay, no, now we'll, now we'll forget yeah. about our French theory <laughs> and default to Marxism. Religiously, religiously defaulted. Marxism's one thing. I think, like, I don't dismiss all of it, but it's particularly the blend of Marxism with people like Foucault or Deleuze that I think is, it just turns into complete nonsense. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I just, it's just this meme that just always comes up, which is like, just say how much you hate capitalism and how capitalism is oppressing and killing mm. everything. And um, I just maybe maybe I need to actually maybe I need to actually hunt out like other than Capital by Marx. Maybe like something uh, something else interesting that's like a direct attack on that from like this this part of the meme sphere. Mm. That's what I'm going to call it from now on the meme sphere. We've got a sphere. We've got a giant ecosystem of memes, and there's these like little pockets where like there's this different like signaling and like boogeyman and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, like over in Yavin's part of the neighborhood of the meme sphere is like oh the cathedral mm. and those bloody leftists and stuff. And over in the leftist part, or like in the academic part of uh, 
gender studies, they're like, oh, those bloody capitalists over there. <laughs> Everybody's got a boogeyman. Everybody's Have you noticed a, that? Everybody's got a boogeyman, and that boogeyman somehow always seems to be easily transmogrified into a Jewish person. <laughs> There is a, there is a worrying unity with the with the characteristics of all of these boogeymen in these sorts of groups. Yeah, you know what? Then again, that's why Yarlin gets points for saying saying it's the cathedral, yeah. not the synagogue, fellas. <laughs> it, it is it is with yeah, with a lot of these um, things when they start talking about boogeymen. It's I actually. I actually award them points for not going into anti-Semitism. It is that pervasive. <laughs> for not like, being yep, anti-Semitic. Congratulations, <laughs> you weren't anti-Semitic. Good on you. I would like to know more about, maybe oh, Maybe we should do like some sort of, that's a really interesting idea, like some sort of typology of um, of boogeymen mm. amongst different neighbourhoods in the meme sphere. And I love this idea of like there being a geography of, of the meme, the memescape. Me- memescape? What do you think? Memescape? Memesphere? It is flex? cool because it, Memescape. In some ways, it's like how biological organisms occupy different niches within, yeah, within the environment. Yeah, like ideological. Similarly, niches. within networks of people, particular memes do find niches and are able, able to defend those niches. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like the information spaces, <clears throat> like online, they have like you know facebook groups or like whatever or like tumblr back in the day you know like the tumblrization yeah. of, of the left and stuff but that also correspond there's also some <clears throat> sorry excuse me there's like a weird correspondence between the digital spaces and the geographical and mm, physical mm, spaces mm. because and and institutional so there's like this tripartite there's institutional spaces so like like what yavin was saying he was saying like there's certain institutional spaces that are like hijacked by these progressive mm-hmm. memes that are really damaging. But then like these are these progressive types like we're reading right now would be saying that like actually <clears throat> like science as an institution, or at least like the hard sciences as an institution, that's where our boogeyman is. Yeah. Yeah. That's really weird actually now that I start talking about it like that. I wonder if that's a in the same way that Jung sought to elucidate characteristics of various archetypes, maybe we could elucidate the archetype of the boogeyman. <laughs> what does the boogeyman look like? Yeah. Because they're often, like, take BAP, right? That's the case as well. Like, BAP had, um, like, the globalists are often in BAP core-type thinking. Mm, mm, yeast men. Yeah, yeast men. And, yeah, boogeyman. So there's, sometimes there's, like, a mm. monolith boogeyman and then there's sometimes there's like a um like the spooks you know like, yeah, like, like, like the, the spooks back in the cold war yeah yeah that have the spooks and so you don't know if you're talking to a yeast person you think you're talking like to an aesthetic youth with a beautiful physique but he's actually a yeast man underneath <laughs> but they have the mind of a yeast and it's just like they're just their aesthetics being propped up by their unusually high adolescent. They're going back home to the But actually, house. give them ten years and they'll be pudgy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bloody hell! I would like to know more about this. I think the Zeno. I think everybody that we've read is actually guilty of this. Almost. I'm not going to stand by that statement, but I have Jung? a suspicion that it would be a high high proportion. Except for you. I don't think Jung. But Jung was a really sensible person. Jung was, <laughs> Jung's far too nice. <laughs> he to was appeared on. Extremely now. sensible. <laughs> He's far too agreeable. 
<laughs> Why did we bring Jung on the show? I don't know. It was a good. It was a good episode. We need but... a refresher every now and then. I really enjoyed <laughs> that book, and sometimes you just need a break from the punishment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But these guys, boogeyman is uh, is capitalism, and just like kind of like poorly defined other parts of the feminist asymmetric power meme neighborhood. Yeah, I will say, though, another point in their favour is they weren't anti-Semitic, which for for the book club from hell is an achievement, unfortunately. (laughs) They they don't seem like anti-Semites. They weren't anti-Semitic. Good on them. Yeah. Thumbs up. Not anti-Semitic. Well done. Love your work, Laborious. (laughs) Well done. Five grown, grown, potentially women, or at least women adjacent people <laughs> I, don't, I don't i can't even gender gender this this composition just, of individuals I, I just refer to laborio cubonics <laughs> as she because that's what the authors do labradoodle pubonics yeah is what i'm <laughs> going to call it <laughs> okay what about this in zero x zero f uh, i don't know what that is in fucking normal numbers they give a clearer definition of what a non-absolute universality looks like so they, they keep talking about non-absolute universalities and haven't defined it up until this point, which is why we haven't mentioned it because it's not really useful to talk about until you can define it. So what does a non-absolute universality look like? Because remember, they are aiming to make a universal and then work work to enact this universal. So for them, it comes from intersectionality. And they say that intersectionality is not a way to divide up collectives into, I quote, a static fuzz of cross-referenced identities. So their, anti- their antipathy to fixed identity or the fixed in general is very clear throughout this entire work. They constantly want to destabilise things that are fixed. Not actually sure why they want to in all cases, but that just seems to be something that temperamentally they want to do. Instead, intersectionality is its a universality, so it applies to everyone, where each individual is built from the bottom up, so they're not defined from above, for example, by a power structure which states that the male is genderless or the cis is normal or white people are raceless, which are the examples that they used in this manifesto. So this is where this is how you can have a non-absolute universality. It's non-absolute because you don't have a power structure saying this is what characteristics mean in this environment, but it is universal because every person is made up of an intersection of their their characteristics, the things that they choose to identify with or they are born with, or if xenofeminists have their way, they can just modify as parts of their body as they see fit. So they say without this non-absolute universality, all attempts at abolitionism, so remembering they were saying they're race abolitionists, they're gender abolitionists, so all attempts at such abolitionism will only reinforce the current power structure. And again, they, they bring up race abolitionism if you don't have this, this particular type of, of universality will just default to whiteness and imposing whiteness everywhere. I'm happy that they actually finally defined 
their non-absolute universality. It took about halfway through this manifesto until they did define it, even though they use that that phrase quite often. That was annoying, but I get like this is another sort of nitpick. It's like just put that closer to the front if you're going to keep using this concept. In terms of this complete chaos, I'm not sure how actually a society would cohere and your society is likely to be outcompeted by some group with a greater sense of collective identity, which... With a nice, strong state. A very powerful, centralised nice state. With a, an aesthetic, youthful and energetic leader. <laughs> male, male leader, yeah. obviously. Named Mussolini. <laughs> it goes without saying, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Benito. <laughs> <laughs> Six foot four Italian man, big bopper back from the grave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, fine. Like they they use the word they use the word morselation in that, this that paragraph, point, like, which irritated me. But that, like, I think we're past complaining about how they write. Like that was an interesting idea. Okay, so let's take um, let's yeah. extrapolate out. Oh, this was one of the points I wanted to to make earlier. Okay, which way do I take this? Okay, first point, let's extrapolate out, and then I'll come back to the second point. So first point is let's extrapolate out, uh, increase globalization, Mm. increase race mixing, or what is it called? Miscegenation. (laughs) (laughs) You get get more bloody mudbloods like Levi, all right, And, uh, and like more weirdness on the internet, more tumblerization, you know, more just like shaking stuff around on the, like God is, has got the earth by the, by the uh, poles and is like well, shaking us around, flat earth. <laughs> mixing up all the ideas. God's, God's got the yeah, earth pancake in God's hand and it's just shaking it up and down. And he's tipping it up inside down. Yeah. Just swirling it around <laughs> <laughs> um, and mixing all the ideas and the genes around. So in like a thousand years, you just have like it's like that episode of South Park with the people from the future. Like they're just kind of an orangey, blacky, whitey, like, <laughs> pinky, yellowy sort of color skin. Everybody's bold for some reason and genderless and all this sort of stuff. And now we've got the technology to just like modify a body at mm. will. What does happen to all these like uh, ideas of like gender or whatever? Uh, that's a pretty strange feature because mm. you can, if you wanted to in the extreme and you said like, well, a person is more about like their mind mm. rather mm. than their physical body. So if I could like, like in altered carbon or something, like take the mind out of this body, reinstantiate it in this other body, like then we've got a complete like delamination between the physical form of the person and like their sort of cognition or whatever. Mm. I don't know if that's possible, if that'll end up being what happens in the future. But that does pose a pretty profound question of like, well, what even, why are we even clinging to these historical cultural norms in the first mm. place? Yeah, that sort of future would be pretty wild. And that does seem to be what the authors of this- I think that's what they're advocating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they they want that, but they also, they do offer the caveat that it also should be the case that these- characteristics that we currently ascribe to genders or associate with genders should not be viewed as gendered and should not be viewed as things which allow one group with or without the characteristics to impose power asymmetrically upon another group. 
with a different set of characters. I see, and so when I look at it through that lens, like the <laughs> the world is just inside of God's cocktail shaker yeah. <laughs> and we end up with a world where like humans have such advanced technology they can kind of modify their body to what they mm. want like identity and gender becomes a very strange concept yes. and it's like well if you happen to be born with a say a, an x chromosome and then you it's like well you know when you're 20 you can just like do whatever you want to your body and you can modify it to be like this other thing and it's like well what the hell does gender mean in that context <laughs> yeah to get pretty meaningless Presumably, I think that, like, in in my assessment of, like, what could end up happening, what would be more reasonable to think is that because the world's so large and in particular, like, presumably the population will keep on growing, hopefully, mm. like, maybe 10 billion people, we'll see 10 billion people in our lifetime, um, all over the world. We'll have enclaves, just like we do already, of, like, people trying out all sorts of different social mm-hmm. structures more or less traditional, more or less futuristic, more or less body modification, that sort of stuff. So you might have places like, I know, in a thousand years, LA, all the people there will be walking around genderless and stuff, but there'll still be parts of the world where like, I don't know, a kibbutz in Israel or something or like whatever is still like gendered according to pre-body modification, Mm. pre-gender stuff. Or places where this technology just doesn't necessarily reach. Like if you go... Deep enough yeah. into the mountains in Nepal, it's it'd be pretty hard to get some sort of hardcore body modification clinic up and running there. Yeah. So unless unless you can do it, with, unless you kind of merge three D yeah, yeah with like surgery. Yeah, like a lot of other technologies would need to be quite a bit more advanced. But yeah, conceivably, yeah, you could you could just do it wherever. So that's kind of an opening mm. question. My my second question, actually, and I know we've spoken about this like years and years ago. Um, was like the concept of uh, back to growing your own organs. Mm. If a woman could grow from her own organs uh, uh, an external ovary. Yeah, like artificial wombs. uh, Vagina and uterus, you could have an artificial womb. And it wouldn't even, like, we already do have artificial wombs. It's called using a donor, using a surrogate. You're using somebody else as your carrier, Mm. your... But that artificial womb, so to speak, is just rigged up to an, another human body. Okay, let's extract it out of the human body altogether and put it in mm. a lab, in a, in a vat, right? Um, <clears throat> like, what does that do to, well, one, on the one hand, you could, as a woman, you could conceivably, like, how long could you put off having kids? And then two, like... Well, especially if you had a way if of... you decouple... Of somehow storing eggs and sperm that didn't degrade them, then, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you could have kids whenever. Well, no, I guess, do you, like, if we, no, I, that's actually a really interesting mm. point. Like, because we can store, we can store the information. We can take a copy of the, and then as long as we can reinstantiate the genetic code for a particular sperm into, like, yeah, yeah. a sperm cell, like, we should be able to get to the point where we could store indefinitely like 10,000 different sperms with 10,000 different variants from the father, like 10,000 different eggs, but it's in digital format. Yeah, well, if it gets, you could get to the point where you, if you could just store the information contained within a sperm, so the genetic information, and and then when you want an to egg, actually do the, the genetic information, because that could be stored as a text file. Like you could in some yeah, and sense you, you actually, have people have a child remotely like you put the text files together and then 
you know, I, this is all assuming that, that our technology out, outlandish. is far, far more advanced than now. So if you have those... Do you think that's that much far further in the future, yeah, though? Yeah, that's... You yeah. sure? Hmm. Artificial hmm. wombs, are, that's a difficult problem. Like a lot of this is still... Oh, sorry, not the artificial wombs. I meant, like, the digital storage. Digital storage? Well, like no, digital storage. Like, we can sequence we can sequence the genetic information in a sperm and in an egg. That's fine. What I'm saying, what I'm saying it's is... It's just the instantiating it again. Like, what I'm... Yeah, re-instantiation <laughs> in a physical medium <laughs> yeah. is really difficult. It's about what I was saying in Far Future is if you have that genetic information from a sperm and from an egg and two people say, oh, we want a child now, and you get onto your 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 baby making subscription service of choice, and just press a button and say, <laughs> "Design a baby." Stick these two genetic info text files together. You put them together, and then you instantiate it in a fertilized egg. Like you get it three D printed and then stuck into an artificial womb. And then you pick it up in nine months. <laughs> get, we're, get it cooking we're, we're in an Amazon warehouse away from that. That's that's Amazon drone delivers it to you is... in nine months. That's that's the modern stalk. Amazon baby Amazon drone. Amazon baby fulfillment center. Literally a little drone. Drone. Amazon baby. Papa Jeff will be cutting us all. Three D printed baby. <laughs> <laughs> Papa Jeff makes it just all the just have a generation just replaced with his own. <laughs> he fathers a billion people. We have a, a whole generation on the planet walking around with a weird Bezos eye. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? We got monocropped <laughs> by Uncle Jeff. <laughs> Papa Jeff. <laughs> It's the end of the human species. Another inventive way Jack and I have figured out the end of the human species. <laughs> the entire species gets monocropped, cucked by This Jeff is a Bezos. really good idea, though, for a startup, is we could, we could make remote. <laughs> we could make remote baby Remote baby. pregnancy. It's, as everyone knows, like the one part of having children that people don't enjoy is the sex that leads to fertilizing. Next. That's sex. the bit That's that people don't part. like. That's so if we can automate part. that, I reckon there'd be a really big market <laughs> for automating sex. We can so automate that, but you still have to you still have to finance and raise yeah, the yeah, child. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you still yeah. get all the like the difficult parts. You just don't get any of the fun stuff stuff at yeah. the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, automating away sex is a really good idea, and we should definitely try to get funding for this. <laughs> I think Valerie Solanas would be on. Board yeah, she'd probably this be idea. on board. Very like. <laughs> I mean, look, if if she were both a live and an angel investor, then I would go to her. (laughs) The Solanus Fund. (laughs) Yeah, the the groovy bitches, the the groovy, psychedelic, bad attitude, arrogant bitches fund. (laughs) Pugnacious bitches fund, yeah. Pugnacious capital. I like it. I like it. Tell me more. We're raising a fund, listeners. All right, we'll put up a Bitcoin address, send us your Bitcoin, and we'll start. We are going to make we'll sex obsolete. In. We're going to obsolete sex. Have That's to our sex investment thesis. <laughs> Look, you think the investment, you think the, the porn and the sex industry is a forever bet? It's not. We're going to come in orthogonal to that bitch, <laughs> and we're just going to completely obliterate the market for sex. <laughs> we make sex obsolete. The market has been crying out for getting rid of sex for years. And we're going to deliver. I mean, look, the no fat movement is huge. We're just going to feed that market. Yeah, well, we'll 
We'll make them obsolete as well. Because, well, no. So <laughs> this is disruptive it's, it's innovation right so here. You, you <laughs> go into a niche, you dominate that niche, then branch out into adjacent niches. So first of all, we'll make sex obsolete, but then I'm sure we could somehow make masturbation and any sort of sexual pleasure obsolete. We'd get rid of it. Just wipe it out. There'll be none of it. And, and everyone will have us to thank. Look, this, this is very... This is a uh, fertile ground. <laughs> Got him. So what? Got him. How did we even get onto this? I guess no. This is sort of. This is sort of related to xenofeminism. Barely. Very. We're talking very about loose. the human body. Fuck it. Um, I don't really have anything else to say about this. Do you? I. My last thing to say is fairly minor point. They use the word mm. negentropic which is like reversing entropy, <laughs> but like the opposite of entropy. And I just think that you should just not use the word negentropic in any context outside of explicitly talking about thermodynamics and the fact <laughs> that they managed to work this in. Again, it's just more evidence to my point that these guys are wankers. If nothing else, like of all the interesting points I make, I just wish they weren't wankers about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. This is my yeah. main criticism. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of my notes are actually me say like something I actually wrote down is it is unreal how bad the writing is. But most of most <laughs> of my notes are really these things. Like the, the task before us is twofold and our vision necessarily stereoscopic. We must engineer an economy that liberates <laughs> reproductive labor and family life while building models of familiar familiarity free from the deadening grind of wage labor. It's just our vision is necessarily stereoscopic. That's not like stereoscopic doesn't mean you're looking at two different things. It's like it, this has a defined meaning and they're just misusing it. That, that, this is actually not what the <laughs> word means. <laughs> That's really funny. What if they said our vision is actually what's what's it like? non-stereoscopic like monoscopic i suppose like yeah, I guess we have so. a monoscopic vision I have no like, okay you just perception. have no depth perception like actually not legally allowed to drive <laughs> let's, let's let's think through everything that follows on from them having stereoscopic vision they have necessarily stereoscopic vision <laughs> they have very good visual acuity <laughs> like their vision is all about being able to see judge how far away <laughs> objects are from them <laughs> <laughs> They're really innovating here. That's um, a very weird flex telling everyone that <laughs> that you have two, a very you have weird two eyes, each of which sees mammal. an image from a slightly different <laughs> angle, and then your visual cortex puts those images together so that you can judge depth. That's a very weird flex. Do you think they'll also start bragging about the fact that they flip the images so that they're not seeing everything upside down? <laughs> they didn't actually cover that. Maybe they do see the world upside down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I would like to read the final paragraph. Yeah. I think that's a good close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon? Okay. 0x1a. 0x1a. The final paragraph. Xenofeminism indexes. All right, you've already lost me. You don't index shit. <laughs> anyway, no, okay, they're, 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 but they like computers, Levi. This is on brand. Oh, this is yeah, called branding. Right. Yeah. Mm, you know what? Google indexes stuff. All right, use that word. Get it in there. <laughs> um, they they went to like a word cloud website and typed in computer and then found all of the words associated with computer. I wish. I wish. No, this would have been better if it were all just in like 
if this were in like 1990s late speak, that'd be much better. 1990s late speak, and if at least some part of it was in uh, Comic Sans, <laughs> like not the whole thing. Like they've okay, if the main text were mono was mono spaced, and then the titles were Comic Sans, I would be yeah. And if the entire <laughs> website were modeled to look like the text chat from Counter Strike 1.5, that would have been really good. Oh, man. They would have won yeah, us over. Then this Anyways, would be a 10 out of 0 X1A. <laughs> Xenofeminism indexes the desire to construct an alien future with a triumphant X on a mobile map. Mm. This X does not mark a destination. It is the insertion of a topological keyframe for the formation of a new logic. In affirming a future untethered to the repetition of the present, we militate for amplitude Ampliative capacities for spaces of freedom with a richer geometry than the aisle, the assembly line, and the feed. We need new affordances of perception and action unblinkered by naturalized identities. In the name of feminism, quote, nature shall no longer be a refuge of injustice or a basis for any political justification whatsoever. If nature is unjust, change nature. I, do, I like that last bit. That, that, that last bit's cool. That last bit's cool. Can we cut out the first 10 pages and just get the last line? <laughs> there are things in here that are interesting. Actually, when they were talking about gender, it was, it, it was interesting how they were saying that a lot of the modern trans movement they don't like because it has taken the fixity of the, the gender binary and just added in a few extra genders and then made that a new fixed point and said, okay, well, now this is normal and you can't change this and you can't argue with it. And the authors of the Xenofeminist Manifesto say, let a hundred genders bloom, say, no, we don't want any sort of fixed point when it comes to gender. Do what you want. I thought that was interesting. But, yeah, I don't have much more to add about this, this manifesto. I'd recommend it. It's free. It's short. It's it's fun. It's kind of fun. If you can put aside the aesthetic criticisms, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll say I reckon fundamentally, it, it, you do, it feels like they you do need to have a tolerance for like. academic feminist yeah. prose. Which, if you don't have a tolerance for academic feminist prose, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Worth reading. Interesting. Um, much else to say about that. What do we have on next? We have. Croquet. We have the conquest of bread. Conquest we put of off. Bread? It was yeah, like we were meant to be recording it this weekend, but I haven't finished it, so we read Xenofeminism instead. The conquest of bread's interesting, but like we'll, we'll save that discussion for for that episode. All right. So thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. We'll yeah. Uh, yeah answer Patreon questions next time. It's ten p.m. I can't be fucked. <laughs> I'm too professional to answer them <laughs> at this episode. Anything else? No, that's all. Join the Discord, follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff. $60,000 um, Patreon tier is still unoccupied. Still waiting for, yeah, um, a true fan to actually give us $60,000. <laughs> true true month. Yeah, otherwise you guys don't love us, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're leaving thanks it up there until, like, Joe Rogan or something puts it there. <laughs> all right, thanks for listening. See ya. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>